Welcome to the Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from the Young Turks, Rachel Maddow, and Al Franken. Now, second huge story of the day is uh, something that happened here in Los Angeles. Uh, we wake up on, what was a Sunday, and what happened? Who are all these Mexicans. Yeah, half a million, uh, according I mean, to the Los Angeles Times. Did you guys drive through downtown on Saturday? I did. Who goes downtown on Saturday? Wow. There are a lot of Mexicans here. Yeah. No, no, no. This was a, a, a show of strength, and it worked. I mean, it was overwhelming. It's possibly the largest protest mm-hmm. in the history of the United States of America. Yeah. That's well, unbelievable. I have to admit, I was secretly moved because I had to drive through downtown on the way to uh, Leisure World to visit Grandma, who's mad at you, by the way. I'll tell you your, about your that. Your grandmother later. lives at a at a at a at a, a like a, a amusement park? furniture store. <laughs> Leisure World. It's it's a retirement community in Laguna. They're trying to rename it Jen, Laguna that's where you, Woods. That's where you got your couch. Leisure World. Yeah. That's funny that you think yeah. it's a furniture store. I thought it was an amusement park w- yeah. with water rides. No, no, Leisure right. World, come there's, try the octopus. There's Leisure actually, World, everything must go. There's actually a big globe that off says LW when you come down one of the freeways. I forget if it's the 405 or the 5 that you can see. Um, but anyways, real quick, um, over the overpasses, as you're coming down the 101 in downtown, um, they had taken over the overpasses so you couldn't even get through. Were um, you uh, scared? No, no, no. I, I was going to say, I was really moved. So I'm driving through uh, on the 101, and it's just gridlock because everyone's honking and waving out their car and, you know, expressing their support. And you got signs over the overpass and people hanging down, screaming at you, you know, with, the, with a, you know, a variety of signs. That, and the one that really moved me was, I built your home. I grew your food. You're calling me a criminal? I was like... Hard to argue with sometimes. Oh damn! No, but there were that's a lot funny. of them. No, that's funny because Jesus came in today and said with a sign that said, "I directed your show," and now you're calling me a criminal. <laughs> right, exactly. But you just you can't help but be moved by a, that much passion around right. one particular issue. I mean, whether I mean, it, there's so nuanced and there's well, a lot of different arguments. But I, I got a little excited. I was I was glad I was able to experience it. By the way, uh, uh, apparently you can't help but be moved. All you have to do is listen to right wing talk radio. That's true. <laughs> oh no, they're yeah. going crazy. But there, it's an enormous mistake on the Republicans' part. No, of course it is. I, I heard it in Atlanta. They, I, I didn't even know why they were talking about it so angrily when I was in Atlanta at the end of la- uh, last week. And it was, uh, but the 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 vitriol was uh, was it was it was palpable. You could sort of feel it coming from the radio. But these people, and you know, uh, somebody suggested that. Uh, there was because they, they want. I guess they had it somewhere. The the Mexicans don't work somewhere. They did that, right? They didn't go to work one day. There was uh, well, a call actually, that, that happened so, today too. Well, last week it happened somewhere. Right, in, because today's Cesar Chavez Day, by the way, and everybody enjoys. And uh, by the way, my wife Grab and I, Corona. my wife and I, who works for the city of Los Angeles, we celebrated Cesar Chavez Day um, uh, by staying in bed till about eleven thirty. And I think that Cesar Chavez, who believed in protest, but thought, hey, you can protest afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> You guys took a little early siesta. We took a siesta, and I think Cesar Chavez would be proud. Those are some of the stories that we're keeping an eye on this morning. But now it's time to wade into the old mainstream to see if there's any gold worth panning for among today's top stories. Eureka! 
The first story on today's Rachel Maddow Show front page is about what's going on with this immigration debate that's roiling the country. Basically, you know that there have been massive protests. You may have even been participating in them. Uh, you know that the, uh, the, the issue is, is, is keeping Republicans divided and all panty-twisted about the issue. You know that stuff's going on in Congress. Here's your update. Here's what you need to be able to make it all simple and straightforward for your friends at school and at work and, and convince them that you're right, whatever you think about it. Uh, tens of thousands of people protested against the Republican anti-immigration plans for another day yesterday. Uh, tens of thousands of people in L.A. alone, marchers in L.A. even took over the freeway in downtown. Uh, some students marched to L.A. City Hall. They met with the mayor there, Antonio Villaragosa. mayor came outside to address the marchers after he met with the students and said, quote, I want you to know that there are people right now all across the country that agree with you that we need immigration reform that rewards work, that gives people a pathway to citizenship, and that allows families to stay together. Everybody cheered the mayor when he said that. And then he got booed right after. He got jeered and booed when he told everybody after those stirring remarks that they really ought to go back to school now. You need to go back to school and you need to teach your, you need to teach no, your fellow man. students how important it is for us to stand up for what we believe in. They get a lot of cheers, and then the students are like, we're not going back to school. Uh, in addition to L.A., there were big protests in Dallas and Phoenix and Detroit and San Francisco, Boston, Washington, uh, up at the Capitol building, a big protest. Inside the Capitol building, the Senate Judiciary Committee did pass an immigration bill. Uh, it has the Republican Party completely tied up in knots. You know how this works now, right? Like the, the House and the Senate both have to pass a bill, and then a conference committee has to make sure those two bills agree that they're the same before the president signs anything. Well, the House bill says uh, you are a felon just because you're here without papers, because you're undocumented, and because of that, you can never become a citizen. The House bill says we'll need to deport 11 million people right now. Oh, it also says if, if you ever babysit for or give a ride to or provide medical care to or teach or feed somebody without checking their papers and they happen to be undocumented, then you could go to jail, too. Uh, here's how one member of the clergy responded to that provision of the House bill uh, at the D.C. protest yesterday. We commit ourselves to continue to feed, clothe, shelter, and serve those threatened by this cruel legislation in the fields where they work, in the streets where they wait for work, and in our houses of worship. The Senate bill that passed committee yesterday does not include either of those bad elements from the House bill, either the make you a felon issue or make you a criminal for helping an undocumented immigrant issue. Uh, it says if you're here for 11 years and you have a job and you stay out of trouble and you learn English and you pay your taxes and you do all the right paperwork, then you can maybe become a citizen. It also doubles the number of Border Patrol agents. It's a much better bill. That's what passed the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday. All the Democrats on the committee voted for it. Uh, six Neanderthal Republicans. Republicans voted against it, but it passed the committee. Uh, even with a Republican chairman of this committee, it passed. Arlen Specter is the chairman of that committee. Uh, and basically, the thing you need to watch for now is that there's this better bill that passed the Senate Judiciary Committee. There's this really bad bill in the House. But in order to get a bill to President Bush's desk, what needs to happen is that they need to figure out what's going to go to this conference committee. This is the one political thing to watch for this week if you care about the immigration issue. Bill Frist, leader of the Senate, wants to be president. Bill Frist may throw away that Arlen Specter Judiciary Committee bill and just put in his own today and send that to the Senate for a full vote. If Bill Frist sticks with the Judiciary Committee vote, we're better off than if he submits his own wacky bill, but he might just do that because he wants to be president. Watch for that. You've got your mother and your brother, every other under 
Alan Kurtz. Jank, Ben, and Jill with you. JR is producing. Jesus is directing. We're going to get to Jesus in a second. So over the weekend, I see that there's this gigantic protest in L.A. I'm like, what's going on? Honestly, before I read any of the headlines, before I knew what the protests were about, I'm wondering, oh, my God, did the American people finally realize how egregious the Bush administration is? And finally, we have this massive protest. Yes, finally. And then I read about it, and it says it's about immigration. I was like, what? That's the thing that they finally, 500,000 people show up in the streets for? And I thought, man, people, I guess, are really pissed about the illegals, as they call them. By the way, I hate that word. We'll get to that later. And then I read the story, and I'm like, wait a minute. This isn't the militia men or the minute men or whatever. These aren't the anti-immigration guys. These are the pro-immigration guys. How did they get 500,000 people in the street? Right. Well, most of them were illegal. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how they got that, uh, that many people in the street, but obviously we have someone here in the studio who does. Mr. Godoy, or should I say Senor Godoy. By the way, I would like to point out that uh, as we often as we uh, uh, make fun of the uh, I don't uh, the Hispanic uh, heritage of the Mexican heritage of our director Jesus Godoy. Jesus was born in the United States of America, unlike one of the hosts of the program. Oh, really, Jill? Where were you born? <laughs> <laughs> Libya. <laughs> All right. So I happen to be born in a swarthy Muslim country, and Jesus, and Jesus is a good old-fashioned blue-blooded American. I understand. That's that. exactly right. Or red-blooded, or whatever blood the Americans are. Uh, nonetheless, he represented Mexicans for today's discussion. <laughs> for today's purposes. Okay. Right. Jesus, did you For today's know? purposes, Jesus and his family uh, 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 bought their way with the coyotes to cross the border when Jesus was 16 years old. Uh, well, first of all, Jesus, let's establish that. Let's get real. Uh, at some point, you had to be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, was it your grandparents who were illegal? Who were, what, was, what was happening? No, my parents. Oh, your parents were illegal? Yeah. See, I told you. <laughs> well, of course. And then were they? And when did they get? Uh, uh, when did? They, how did they? How did they get uh, uh, legal status? Well, I mean, my mom came as a young age, very young age, at around fourteen, fifteen years old, as a resident. And then had you so she could stay here. Exactly. A, as a resident. Yeah, like she came with a friend that was already here. So she came legally. Then I mean. Correct. I mean, she didn't sneak across the border then. You said you came. As no, a... but my dad did. Okay. What kind right. of illegal alien are you? Um, uh, is your dad a citizen yet or no? Yeah, he became a citizen and all that. Oh, oh that's outrageous. He He's actually... a felon. <laughs> you know, at some point you cooperated with him. We should turn your ass in. Yeah, well, then you guys would be turned in because you guys hired me. <laughs> did I say that? I didn't mean that. I mean, it's no big deal. All right, anyway. Anyway, back to Iraq. <laughs> All right, now listen, uh, for those of you who don't know, one of the reasons that this whole immigration issue has exploded and all those protests, not just in Los Angeles, but in St. Louis, Phoenix, the largest protest ever in the history of Phoenix, uh, Detroit, uh, just all How across big the a protest could there have ever been in Phoenix? Exactly. By the way, this one was like 2,000 people. They're like, largest protest <laughs> in the history of Phoenix. Yeah. Anyway, one of the reasons that everybody's so upset about it, and that's why you'll see a lot of the protesters will have handcuffs on them as a kind of a symbolic thing, because the House Republican proposal, they want to make it illegal. Not only do they make, want to make the illegal immigrants uh, felons, which is right. more serious than what it is now. That's one part of it. The second part is anyone who knows about an illegal immigrant and doesn't turn them into the authorities is also a criminal. Uh, so and also, everyone, by the way, not just a criminal, also a felon. 
And that includes, like, for example, the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, we make fun of religion a lot on this show, but here's who helps more than any other group uh, undocumented immigrants, and that would be uh, religious organizations, and primarily, since most of the people coming over the border from Mexico are Catholic, that would be the Roman Catholic Church. And they don't have a habit of asking for documentation about where you were born before they give you something to eat or help you find a place to stay. More importantly, Nor should they. Oh, by about, the way, what so about those rich guys that run construction companies? That kind of puts a wrench in their battle, doesn't it? It does, and that's why they're pissed, and they're gathering up their, you know, their side of the Republican Party to fight the conservative side of the Republican Party. Yeah, these and it rich is a conservatives got to be confused right now. Like, whoa, we don't like the Mexicans, but they do everything for us. We don't have to pay them a lot. What are we to do? <laughs> yeah, it does kind of. I don't want to do it. Right? I don't want to clean my house. Yeah. Winthrop, do you want to do it? I don't want to do it. I don't want to pay Greg a lot of money to build my house. <laughs> Let's keep Jose around. They are conflicted, and that is an enormous fissure in the Republican Party, and one we should happily exploit. Yeah, one we should <laughs> okay. happily exploit, and uh, a rare use of the word fissure on the Young Turks. Nicely done. Thank you. All right. Now, uh, that being said, uh, so everybody's real pissed about this. We would be arresting priests. We would be arresting CEOs. The CEOs... <laughs> We're having a conversation because that's really how you would stop this we problem. Would be, right? We would be arresting people who run perhaps private social service agencies. I mean, like, like you know, stuff that's or, or even public social service agencies that are that are set up in neighborhoods where there are a lot of illegal immigrants who try and help them sort of, you know, uh, uh, get access to sort of basic services uh, that poor people need. And the idea, again, that these people who are, you know, decided to live a life where they make $32,000 a year living in Los Angeles and working sort of uh, uh, with people who don't trust government in any way, shape, or form, and we're going to criminalize them. It's, it's insulting. Well, all right. So the other thing, people that would get arrested, by the way, is if you're having a casual conversation over uh, drinks with Jesus and he happens to tell you that his uncle is, uh, you know, hasn't quite gotten his residency yet, or even though he's working towards it, whatever, uh-oh, everybody signed the, uh, you know, sound the illegal uh, siren. And everybody at the bar that might have overheard that, you're all going to get arrested if you don't turn Jesus' uncle in. Right. Okay. I mean, it's madness. That's not the kind of country we live in. But now, don't, just before you, but don't worry. If you're Canadian, we won't hassle you because this is a total racial issue. <laughs> now, theoretically, you're supposed to do the same for the Canadians. Ah, uh, we don't want to kick the white people out. <laughs> But let's Just them damn Mexicans. I mean, do you really hear people screaming that loud about all the other immigrants that are here? That's a little unfair. The it's reason not unfair. This is a totally racially driven, driven issue, I think. There's two sides of it. One, is it racially driven? Of course! Let's get real. They don't, they're uncomfortable with all the brown people coming in and taking their jobs or you whatever know, it is. Next time they have an they have a illegal immigration news thing, you know, well, show some white people that are here illegally. I mean, it's always Mexicans up there. No, but that's the part that I disagree with, which is... Come on, Jill. There isn't an uh, overflow of Canadians crossing the border illegally. And no, there isn't. They're just, yes, I mean, there it's, are. It's nothing like coming out of Mexico. No, That's crazy. It's talk. not because also. It's not like the Canadian Mounties are like, let's make a run for it. No, I think we can make it. Also, you know, in large part because you can make a, it's a little easier to make a living for your family in Canada. You don't have to cross the border. I, it's still a, a problem. I mean, whether or not, you know, there's a slightly more Mexican people over here. Or no, but that's Do like, you think that, like, no. in Detroit, you drive around to some neighborhoods and pick up a bunch of Canadians waiting on the corner to do housework? I don't <laughs> think that's happening. i got to be honest. <laughs> no, listen, Jill, you're no, right. they infiltrate other people's jobs. I mean, hey, why aren't people getting pissed about that? I need work, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are some. Look, Jill, here's the part you're right about. Obviously, there are some. Uh, not only Canadians, Irish, English, sure. et cetera, et cetera, that are illegal, and that's also unacceptable. 
But in reality, there are so many more people. The magnitude of the problem is much larger and, coming and, in from and, the south. And specifically in, in, in states like uh, Texas and New Mexico and, and, and Arizona and California, uh, that's the, those are the legislators in those states who are essentially uh, concerned about this issue in various ways, shape, or form. Some of them on the right side, some of them on the, on, on the wrong side. And that, obviously, the issue for them is, is, is solely Mexican immigration or, or Latin American immigration. All right. Now, we're going to take your calls on this 866-99-SERIOUS, 866-997-4748. And you can always email us at theyoungturks.com as well as watch us uh, on the show as well. But first, Jesus, I want to get back to you real quick. Did you know that this whole thing was afoot, or did did it take you by surprise like it took everybody else by surprise? Or was there a buzz in the Mexican-American community that we're going to kick some gringo ass today, everybody suit up, put on a white shirt, and let's go to work? No, totally. I I definitely knew about it. I was very – I would have gone, but I was out of town. I was actually in Mexico (laughs) at the time. Man, is that ironic. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And, um, no, yeah, I totally knew about it for about over a week already. Oh, really? What were you doing in Mexico? Visiting my dad. (laughs) 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 Smuggling people over? Bringing some more people over to Amazon. No, but, yeah, I I wish I would have gone, been a part of it It, from – from the people I've talked to, it seemed like a very great experience. Did uh, did anybody get laid there? Or was it like yeah, totally. Everybody got laid. Oh, is that right? <laughs> everybody who went got laid. <laughs> is that right? Dave, what were you doing? Not there. I mean, you throwing on a white shirt. I mean, that's your dream because yeah, Jesus is theoretically Mexican. The real Mexican lover in the studio is our executive producer, Dave Kohler. I mean, everybody. If you don't know, everybody was wearing a white shirt. It's yeah. part of the statement. You throw one on, how are they going to know? And you know, you go to work inside there. I mean, more you know, more. Uh, Anyway. Blown opportunity. Yeah, but huge blown opportunity there. All right, Jesus, thanks for the inside word uh, from East L.A. here in Los Angeles. Other news, Casper uh, Weinberger uh, died. You hate to see uh, anyone die. Uh, people have to die. Uh, Lynn Nossinger died. I have a story about Lynn Nossinger. He was uh, one of uh, uh, President uh, Reagan's top uh, White House advisors, and uh, he threw me off a bus once. And uh, he had every right to, by the way. Uh, this, is, this is the story. I haven't told this story in a long time. In 1976, I, my brother is a photographer, and at the time he was, uh, you know, a, a, what's it called, a photojournalist, photojournalist, and he took pictures. My brothers had pictures on the cover of Time and Newsweek. I'm very proud of my brother. And he said that he was going to uh, follow Ronald Reagan around in New Hampshire. And would I like to come and join him? And at this time, I was uh, writing at Saturday Night Live. It was 1976. And we had a, a break that week. I said, sure, I'll come up. And so one day, I followed Reagan around New Hampshire. And the first uh, event was an early morning event at this just adorable uh, little country store in New Hampshire. And one of the press, a small event, one of the press asked him, uh, Reagan, Governor, governor, remember he's governor of the state at the time, and he was asked, Governor, do you favor mandatory motorcycle helmets for for people who ride motorcycles? And he said, No, because that uh, would be a limit on personal freedom. And uh, later in the day, we went to a high school or a junior high, I can't remember now, and a student got up and asked him, uh, Do you favor decriminalizing? 
marijuana. And he said, uh, no, I don't favor uh, decriminalizing marijuana because marijuana can cause brain damage. So maybe you see where I'm going. So the last event was at Dartmouth College. Uh, as it so happens, all the press was staying, I, I guess, is that Nashua? Is, wherever we were, we were staying at a, an inn not by, uh, far from there. But it was this big hockey arena, and there were a lot, a lot of people to see Ronald Reagan there. And uh, there was an area where people who had come to see the event could ask questions, could stand uh, at a mic and ask questions. And I had been riding with the press all day with my brother, and I just let, and there was a roped off press area, and I ducked under the rope and got in line to ask a question. So, uh, when time for questions came, I was first. And, uh, as I remember, and I said, uh, and, uh, yes. And it, I said, uh, uh, Governor, I heard you earlier today say that you were against motorcycle, mandatory motorcycle helmets because that would be a limit to personal freedom. And then later in the day, I heard you say, to answer a student, saying that you were against decriminalizing marijuana because it causes, marijuana causes brain damage. Now, people are starting to go, like, uh, the rain crack. And I go, like, couldn't not wearing a motorcycle helmet cause brain damage a lot faster um, and that that but your applause was not the reaction of the crowd they're beginning they're beginning at this point to boo I said couldn't couldn't not wearing a motorcycle helmet cause brain damage a lot faster in insofar as particles of the road might actually enter your brain now everyone's booing, and, and that gave Reagan a long time uh, to think of an answer, uh, which was very good. This was his, uh, he, this was his answer. Uh, well, uh, if I were on an airplane and the pilot were drunk, I'd know. But if he... If he were high on marijuana, I wouldn't. And there was there was a, a, a pause, a palpable long pause, and then everyone applauded and cheered for that brilliant answer. And so then after the event, we all go off on with my brother who won't now look at me and um, get on the press bus and Lynn Knopfsinger uh, says to me either you're in the press or you're not in the press and he said get off the bus and he had every right to do this and uh, so we'll miss Lynn Knopfsinger um, no, it's, uh, our sympathies obviously go out to his uh, to his family, and I actually, what, what was nice about this was there was a big traffic jam from uh, at the arena, and I walked back. And it was a beautiful, uh, a beautiful night, and I walked back and greeted the bus uh, when it showed up. Uh, 
of America. Tell them the truth, the truth, yeah. Tell them about Marcus Garvey. Tell the children the truth, yeah, the truth. Tell them about Martin Luther King. Tell them the truth, the truth. Do we pay Tell those guys uh, overtime? Oh, Jr. and Jesus? Yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah. The minute I get overtime, they'll get overtime. <laughs> they got a comp day, right? <laughs> Look, we're in L.A. Do you have any idea how many illegals are ready to take their jobs tomorrow? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. you have any idea how quickly I can get a Jose and a Jesus? Wait a minute. That Colin guy hasn't put up that fence yet. <laughs> All right, kids. Um, Overtime. And, of course, by the Colin way. Colin Hanna hasn't put up his 7,000-mile uh, steel wall. <laughs> He's the founder of the We Need a Fence Project. Of course. Yeah. Uh, by the way, when uh, Assman was interviewing him on Fox, on the part of the clip we didn't play, when he introduced him, it sounded like he, say, he said, now part of the Weenie Fence Project, I thought, well, that sounds just about right. Uh, all right, by the way, if you missed the censure hearings, uh, our coverage of it today, or you miss any of the shows, of course, you can sign up to become a member at a very, very reasonable price, and you can get every single show, everything we've ever done, at the click of a button, no commercials, no nothing, anytime you want, uh, all uh, part of the membership fee if you join on theyoungturks.com. Yeah, that's at theyoungturks.com. By the way, I'm reading this article where I found out who this guy Colin Hanna was, who David Aspman was talking to. Uh, and earlier in the story, uh, uh, that said uh, they're talking about illegal immigrants. And there's a quote from a guy named Frank Sherry. He's 47 years old. Uh, and he says, it really burns me. Right, mm -hmm. his wife had to wait nine months to emigrate from China on a fiance visa. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, nine months. Yeah. By the way, also, this guy's complaining. He did a mail order bride, and he's right. complaining. I know, he clearly did a mail order bride, and he's complaining. Right? I had to wait nine months for that girl I ordered from China to come in. So he says, it really burns me. He goes, but that's not the main reason. The martial arts instructor from Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, will patrol the Canadian border from a Mohawk reservation in New York next month. So he's patrolling the border. This guy's he's ordered his, his girl from China, right? He's dangerous, right? Uh, he fears Islamic terrorists. Okay, yeah. Well, don't we all? But then he says, I view Islam as the scourge of the earth. It is pure, unadulterated evil. You know, these people have too much people. time on their hands. I mean, do you really spend your day worrying about Islamic terrorists? <laughs> oh, I did ever since I found out, as you pointed out earlier in the show, that the oceans no longer protect them. They don't. Yeah. You know, people have found these boats that they can just... Row over. No, but seriously, I, I think these people, you know, the Minutemen, and they want to build the fence, and they want to take their guns and shoot shoot at the borders to anyone crossing over. Too much time on their hands. I mean, who's that scared every day? I got too many things going on to be that scared. I normally won't think of Islamic terrorists more than twice a week. You know, it, we used to think we were secure because of oceans and previous diplomacy, but we realized on September 11, 2001, that killers could destroy innocent life. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. This is that the was elected twice. Is this the recent one? Yeah, this is the, that recent, was the one. recent one. He said it like four or five times. We thought the oceans could protect us because protect we're mildly retarded. <laughs> Nobody explained to us that they've invented this thing called a plane yeah, that could fly over the ocean yeah. or a bomb, like a missile uh, inter from Russia. How did we think? What did, did we really think the oceans were going to stop an intercontinental ballistic missile? <laughs> did, you, did George Bush not understand the continental part of ICBM? Uh, missiles don't know how to swim. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I thought you were going to say, and I'm with you on the terrorist thing too, but. 
that who has time to patrol the border? Dude, get a job. Right. You know, well, you're worried about the that. Mexicans taking your job? Well, stop patrolling the border and work for a living. You yeah, know, okay. yeah. Could you imagine? Which, I'm like working 10, 12, 15 <laughs> hours a day. I'm like, all right, whew, yeah, now I, I got a couple of hours free. Let me go down to the border and do a little patrol. And this guy, this guy, Frank Sherry, is going to patrol the Canadian border from a Mohawk reservation in New York next month. Let me tell you something. Yeah, you do need a job, Frank Sherry, because I got news for you. Your 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 Chinese wife is going to want some Kung Pao chicken from time to time, and you're going to not have any money to buy it for because you're going to be up with the Mohawks in Canada, keeping us safe from the Canadians. By the way, the Mohawk reservation, how about... You know, these guys are all nativists. Keep everybody out, right? How about nativists for Native Americans? That's what I want to see. I want to see the Mohawks and the Navajos go down and be like, you know what? Pat Buchanan's right. It's time to kick everybody out. <laughs> okay? You know, because to the Native Americans, Buchanan's the illegal. That's right, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And the guys who came over on the Mayfair, they're like, oh, I wish we were patrolling the border back then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish we had the Minutemen then, but we didn't have a word for Minutemen. Right. Yeah, we didn't have any guns. <laughs> I assume that Buchanan and this dude and everybody and Tancredo and all those guys, they're all for give the America back to the original Americans, the Native Americans. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When the Irish were coming in by the boatloads, Buchanan had no problems with the illegals. No, right? no, right, yeah. But as soon as he came in, oh, brown skin people, come on, please. But we're who made America great. The Indians, By the way, would, Indians would have just screwed it up, turned it into one big giant casino. The second story on today's front page is about today in history. Uh, it was 25 years ago today that, that Ronald Reagan was shot by John Hinckley outside the Washington Hilton Hotel. They actually call that that hotel the Hinkley Hilton now, informally. It's kind of gallows humor. I stayed at the Hinkley Hilton last year when I was in D.C. for the Scooty, Scooter Libby indictment. The way the hotel is set up, uh, it's set back from the main street a bit with a big showy circular driveway out front. But then on the side, on T Street, uh, there's a much smaller side entrance, and that's where the shooting happened. When I stayed there last year, uh, I was hanging out talking to the doorman at that little side entrance of the hotel he says he was working there at that side entrance 25 years ago on the day of the shooting i don't know if i believe him but he did show me how they have rebuilt that whole area in response to the shooting uh presidents and important important people still do speak at that hotel all the time it's got one of the largest single rooms in washington for public public occasions but now they've built kind of a what looks like kind of a little drive-through car wash stall thing uh for the presidential limo to be parked in so that there's no more contact between uh, the VIP and the public at that entrance. 25 years ago, uh, Reagan had been inside the hotel giving a speech. He walked outside. It was about 2.25 p.m. Presidential limo was waiting. But he stopped to wave to a little group of people who gathered outside to see him. And Reagan was 70 years old at the time. He had only been in office for two months. And as he stepped outside to wave to that little group of people, John Hinckley stepped forward out of that crowd and fired six shots. Uh, here's some sound that was captured that day. You can 
hear those six shots and then the confusion. Four of those six shots connected. Uh, the first one hit Reagan's press secretary, James Brady. He was shot in the head. The second shot hit a D.C. police officer, Thomas Delahanty. Uh, the third shot hit a Secret Service agent, Timothy McCarthy. And, of course, the, the fourth shot hit Reagan himself. But they didn't know it at the time. They didn't know that Reagan had been hit. As the shots rang out, the Secret Service agents on the scene didn't know that Reagan had been shot. One of them pulled open the limo door. That was Officer McCarthy, who got injured himself. And two other agents threw Reagan inside the limo and slammed the door. One of the agents told the driver to go. The driver stepped on it and started driving toward the White House. Now, the Secret Service agent says that he ran his hands under Reagan's jacket and through Reagan's hair, looking for an injury, but didn't find one, didn't think that Reagan had been hit. Then they're in the limo just a minute later. They're heading toward the White House, and they're in the little tunnel, the little underpass under DuPont Circle, and Reagan started to spit up blood. Can you imagine what the Secret Service agents are thinking when they saw that? They, neither of them was hit. They, they, they hadn't thought that Reagan was, and then... Reagan starts to spit up blood. They tell the driver to go to the nearest emergency room instead of the White House, so they change course. Turns out the nearest emergency room was at George Washington University. When they got there, Reagan said he wanted to walk in on his own, but he collapsed after taking just a couple of steps. He had been shot in the left armpit. Uh, the, the bullet had ricocheted into him off, off the presidential limo, apparently. Uh, the bullet caused bleeding in his lung. It only stopped an inch from his heart. Here's the announcement that was made that day by Lynn Nossiger, who, who coincidentally uh, actually died himself just this week. The president has been shot once in the left chest. The bullet entered from, from his left side. He is in stable condition. He is conscious. And Mrs. Reagan is with him. They say that Reagan might have actually died that day uh, if he had been 10 minutes later to the hospital. Remember, he was 70 years old already when he was shot. Uh, meanwhile, back at the shoot scene of the shooting, John Hinckley was taken into custody. Three men were wounded. The Secret Service agent who held the limo door and the D.C. police officer, they both recovered quickly from their wounds that day. Reagan himself eventually had surgery. He spent 12 days in the hospital. But James Brady was shot in the head. Uh, some news reports that day actually said that he had died. He did suffer a serious brain injury. It left him partially paralyzed. James Brady almost died three times in his first year of recovery. Ultimately, he and his wife went on to found the Brady Center to prevent gun violence. And, you know, they've been around just, along, uh, just long enough now that the right-wing pro-gun people are starting to caricature them and make fun of James Brady in his wheelchair believe it or not. Uh, but in less insane, maybe even less mean political times, back in, in 1993, the Brady Handgun Violence Protection Act was passed. Uh, President Clinton signed it in 1993, and that bill says you need a five-day waiting period and a background check in order to get a handgun in this country. Uh, as for John Hinckley Jr., he was found not guilty by reason of insanity. He spent the past 25 years in a locked ward, but he was just recently granted permission to have occasional overnight visits with his parents uh, who live in Williamsburg, Virginia. 25 years ago today that Ronald Reagan was shot at the Washington Hilton. Welcome back to the Al Franken Show, coming to you today live from Sacramento, California. Um, I want to talk a little bit uh, from a personal uh, perspective about this immigration story. I, um, uh, as people know, I've been on a number of USO tours, and uh, the USO, uh, a little over a year ago, uh, my honor, I get more out of it, believe me, 
than I give. But about a year a year ago, uh, the USO asked me uh, to go to uh, Walter Reed Hospital, and uh, I was, uh, to, you know, to cheer up uh, troops that uh, had been wounded. And I didn't know. I felt I, I gladly went, but I really was very nervous and didn't know what um, how I was supposed to cheer up someone who had been wounded in Iraq. And the the way 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 they have way they do it is is they go into a hospital room first and ask a soldier, Walter Reed, his army, uh, whether he wants a visitor. And so I'm nervously waiting, and they go into uh, a soldier's room, and uh, uh, they come out and say yeah, he wants to see you. I'm very nervous, and I see this grinning soldier, uh, Specialist Melendez. Now, he's not grinning because Al Franken's there to see him. He's watching something on TV. <laughs> and he had uh, jug ears and, uh, you know, a uh, military haircut and a goofy-looking face and a big grin on his face. And I immediately felt I was cheered up, immediately. <laughs> and his dad was there. And his dad was so proud of Specialist Melendez. And I met him, and he had lost one leg up to his hip and the other leg above the knee, and one of his arms was screwed up. And he was grinning, and he was proud, because that day he had become an American citizen. And I asked him how many guys in his unit in Iraq were, were immigrants, and he said that uh, there were six of them, and the other five weren't citizens yet. Uh, I think we need to remember that we have immigrants serving in our military, and you are struck with that when you go over there. And I want to play something from May 19th of 2004. This is Rush Limbaugh talking about Memorial Day and our immigrant population. Memorial Day weekend, which falls at the end of this month. Really? We don't know that? Uh, is the traditional start of the peak... Well, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting the large immigrant population that doesn't care about Memorial Day, except that it's a three-day holiday. Uh, this is the kind of ignorance. Uh, by the way, Rush Limbaugh, uh, as you know, he was a big supporter of the Vietnam War. Uh, so you, you might wonder where he served exactly there. And was he a caisson? Uh, what did he do during the Tet Offensive? He was uh, back at home. He uh, got out. Uh, he said in a New York Post interview once that he got out because of a bum football knee. That's not how he got out. He, he lied about it. He got out because he had something called a polynidal cyst, uh, which is, I'd describe it, but you don't want to hear what it is. It's, it's at the base of your spine. But his father had a polynidal, uh, I guess it's hereditary, had a polynidal cyst and fought in World War II. There's a lot of people who don't put two and two together and understand how much immigrants 
contribute to our country and how much they harm the country themselves. We'll be right back with the Al Franken Show. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you for your continued understanding. If uh, if the feeds that you're receiving get screwed up in any way, uh, I am continuing to battle with my website. I have some unknown corrupted file, something or other, that it won't even tell me what the problem is. So I've got to search around and, you know, find the cancer and it might end up requiring the total amputation of a limb or two of of the website before I figure out what the hell's going on. So, once again, I apologize as as things um, continue to get screwed up. I won't talk about this every time. Just be aware that um, as day after day my feed is doing funky things, this is the reason I'm still having troubles. Um, so just stick with me. I'm still going to be putting out shows, and, and hopefully it won't be too uh, too painful for, for anyone involved. I've been having so much going on. I've been forgetting to mention uh, the message board. Don't forget, go visit the message board. You can find it through the website, bestoftheleftpodcast.com. Click on the link to the Best of the Left community. Uh, you know, show up, introduce yourself, respond to the show, start a new thread with another uh, topic idea. Uh, That's just, those are the two I came up with. Um, But come visit chat and uh, and let let everyone else know who is, uh, who's listening. Please keep the reviews coming into iTunes and votes going to Podcast Alley. Both of those are very much appreciated. And if you're feeling real active, you can take the uh, the listener survey that you can also find at the website. Or just uh, contact me directly at hippiesympathizer at gmail.com. Uh, that's about it. There, There's uh, not much else. I can ask from you. If if there was, I would. But, uh, well, you can give me money. But, uh, you know, no big deal. So, that is it for today. Have a good one, everybody. <laughs>